Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Triangles Meditation Group. Today is March 7th, 2022. So let's begin by taking a brief moment to unite subjectively with our group here today and with all Triangles workers throughout the world, and then sound together the noontime recollection. We know, O Lord of life and love, about the need. Touch our hearts anew with love, that we too may love and give. Through our work each day in our Triangles practice, and also in these weekly webinars. We're tuning our vehicles, our subtle vehicles, to a rhythm. And this is very much in alignment with the energy that's coming in, the seventh ray energy, very much a ray related to rhythm and order. And as we establish a rhythm in our own lives through our triangles work, we help to establish an order in our planet, which is so needed during times of transition, such as the present, when from all outer appearances, we could say that many things look like they're falling apart. Yet, on a subjective level, contributed to by all those people who are working subjectively, not only in triangles, but in all the other spiritual and religious groups throughout the planet, there is um, an alignment and an order being established in the ethers. And as we work to precipitate that through our use of the Great Invocation and the Triangles Network, we are contributing our part in fostering the next step of the divine plan for planet Earth. So our work together each week is to introduce this planetary service of triangles to people who are new to it and to aid them in the forming of triangles. And if anyone here on the call today would like to reach out through the chat box, perhaps two other people on the call will agree to form a triangle with you, thereby widening and strengthening the planetary network. And we're also working to create a platform whereby people who are already members of this planetary service to come together each week and contribute to this rhythm, as I mentioned, and participate in a meditative visualization in the support and strengthening of the planetary network. Triangles is a daily activity. It's a commitment, a lifetime commitment, if we choose to do so, which we hope we do. So when we form a triangle, it isn't a casual event, it's a commitment. And yet it's a a fairly uh, brief and simple visualization technique that uses the power of thought and prayer. And the aim is to uplift and transform planetary consciousness. So although it's somewhat simple and brief, 
it has a powerful goal. And the more people who work together in triangles, the more powerful the network becomes in transforming our planet from the present etheric structure, the subtle energy body surrounding the planet, which we're told is in a period of transition from a network of squares, which is reflective of the personality aspect. Triangles seeks to transform those squares into triangles, triangles being the symbol of the soul. So it's a, it's a powerful work we do. Three people agree to come together each day. You don't have to coordinate your efforts in time or space. Many triangles partners live on other sides of the planet, work at different times of the day. And you visualize a triangular link between the three of you and visualize the energy circulating between all three. And then you link with the planetary network of triangles of all other people throughout the world. And you visualize the planet surrounded by this network. And then you sound the great invocation, a world prayer that it serves to distribute the energies. So if you resonate to this idea of planetary service and you would like to form a triangle and you don't do so today, you can always write to us or you can go to triangles.org and find a, a bulletin board where you just fill out a brief application and you can perhaps find people throughout the world who would be willing to work with you. And we also have a Triangles Meditation Group Facebook page where you can find Triangles Partners as well. So if you want to form a triangle, you should be able to do so. So now, as we do each week, let's come together in a brief visualization. So let's link with each other as a group, visualizing the planet as a sphere of lighted energy. And now within that sphere, visualize a triangle composed of the three planetary centers. Shambhala, hierarchy, and humanity. And at each point of the triangle, visualize a sphere of lighted energy radiating light, filling the triangle with light. And in the center of that sphere, visualize a five-pointed star, an indigo star, the star of the world teacher. This teacher links east and west, past and future, and radiates the energy of love wisdom. 
At each point of the star stands an outpost of his consciousness, the five planetary centers. Visualize the energies radiating forth from the center of the star through the five points. London, Darjeeling, New York, Geneva, Tokyo. Visualize these outpouring energies enlivening small groups gathering everywhere, aiding them to focus and direct the energies into the consciousness of all humanity, solving its problems, creating right human relations, restoring peace on earth. We sound together the mantra, projecting a rainbow bridge of energy towards the hierarchy. Radiance, we are in power. We stand forever with our hands stretched out, linking the heavens and the earth, the inner world of meaning and the subtle world of glamour. We reach into the light and bring it down to meet the need. We reach into the silent place and bring from thence the gift of understanding. Thus with the light we work and turn the darkness into day. We're working now with the powerful energies of the sign of Pisces, the last sign of the zodiac, and therefore in certain ways, perhaps the most powerful. We're told that Pisces takes from all the signs, and therefore you can understand the powerful service which is rendered by this sign of the world savior, really the sign most closely associated in one angle with the Christ himself, the world savior. So it's also the culminating energy of the spiritual year. We're taking a deep breath. Perhaps we can reflect on all that has passed through this long year 
and yet we're bridging towards the beginning. So as it says in one of our mantras, the end approaches the beginning. And in the future, we're told that these two signs of Pisces and Aries will actually be one sign. So perhaps in our way, we can bridge them, we can begin bridging them now. And therefore, we can already feel and sense the potency of the spring, the potency of the new life pouring in through these energies of Pisces. For it's ruled powerfully by two planets of aspect. The second ray, Jupiter, the sacred second ray planet that is so closely associated with the Christ, but also with the Aquarian age. So there's a link there. But it's ruled esoterically and hierarchically by the powerful first ray planet of Pluto, which has been so active in the sky over these past years with its strength and destructive capacities. And sometimes we fear destruction, but we know in fact that it's part of the plan. It's part of what is needed at times to bring in the light to clear out the old forms and usher in new avenues through which the light can pour. So we work as our opening visualization states with these three planetary centers, which we might see depicted here in this image of humanity, hierarchy and Shambhala, the vast and great planetary center which is coming into a three-way interrelationship for the first time in planetary history during this period, this entry into this new age. These three centers are fusing and blending as our visualization states. So this has tremendous ramifications. Having never happened before, humanity the weakest of the three centers is therefore thrown into chaos as the will of God and the love of God pour more freely into all of our minds and hearts. And so we have to do as bridging agents within the new group of world servers, we have to do what we can to help facilitate humanity's uh, efforts to lift itself out of darkness into light, out of chaos into beauty. And I just wanted to share one of the passages that the Tibetan gives, which he says is very reflective of this time wherein the energies of the outgoing sixth ray is in equal force to the incoming of the seventh ray. And those words were written perhaps 80 years ago, 90 years ago. And so we can see that now humanity will have passed more fully towards appropriating the seventh ray and the Aquarian energies. But nonetheless, the sixth ray energies are still potent in our planet. And so 
The Tibetan describes this by quoting from an ancient archive, and the passage is, runs as follows. He describes this time as a time of rending, when the mountains which have sheltered fall from their high places, and the voices of men are lost in the crash and thunder of the fall. So from one perspective, at least to my understanding, I could relate these, this passage to this alignment of the three planetary centers and what it's affecting on our planetary life at this time. So from the perspective of the human kingdom, a time of rending. Humanity is being subject to the powerful energies of the first ray of will of power the energies pouring in from Shambhala, which have never before impacted directly on human consciousness. In the Tibetan, the actual word rending, if you look it up in a dictionary, it's related to violent, a violent tearing asunder. So the energies from Shambhala are also depicted as a sword, the sword of spirit. And so they impact upon human consciousness, and depending upon the state of that consciousness, so will the energies of the first ray be appropriated in a spiritual way along the lines of fusion, or in a material way along the lines of destruction and evil. And so we have to do what we can as members of the new group of world service to work towards fusion using the energies of the second aspect as well. So when we look to the second line, the mountains which have sheltered fall from their high places, we might reflect on mountains being triangular in shape and perhaps reflective of hierarchical energy, of soul energy coming down into humanity perhaps the hierarchy which has sheltered humanity from its high place is now coming outward, is preparing for the externalization, is, is externalizing. And therefore, the voices of men are lost in the crash and thunder of the fall. So human beings who are like a great cacophony of sound, perhaps increasingly will find their voices to be lost in the crash of that which is emanating from the two higher centers. Humanity has the opportunity to therefore attune itself to these higher centers and stand as a channel so that humanity can be more adequately protected and able to handle this crashing and this thunder of the fall. And the Tibetan goes on to say that when two ray energies follow in consecutive order, as they are at this time, this seventh ray is following upon the sixth ray, we can see a powerful opportunity for cause to work out in effect. 
So the cause being all of the aspiration and the love and the Christ spirit that came forward under Pisces, now working out and be coming down from its high place and bringing forward the new civilization, which the seventh ray promises to affect upon the physical plane. So let's now work together in our meditation. Integrating as a group. Let's focus ourselves on the mental plane. Linking in thought as a soul, as a group, as a point of love and light with all those people throughout the world who are working with this triangles meditation group. And let's project a line of lighted energy towards the highest center of Shambhala. and affirm our will in the center of the will of God I stand not shall deflect my will from his I implement that will by love I turn towards the field of service I the triangle divine work out that will within the square and serve my fellow men. Using the creative imagination, link with two other points of light to create a triangle of light. And visualize the triangle in which you are working as an essential part of the Radiant Worldwide Triangles Network. Hold the consciousness immersed within the light of the group soul, the heart of love which underlies and infuses the network. Project a line of lighted energy towards the world teacher 
who stands as the heart of love at the center of the spiritual hierarchy and also at the heart of each triangle. Visualize the energies of love, light, and goodwill circulating in and around the triangle's network. Visualize these energies unifying and eliminating all divisions within humanity, healing and transforming human consciousness and establishing right human relationships. Let's project a rainbow bridge towards the spiritual hierarchy and sound together the mantra of unification. The sons of men are one and I am one with them. I seek to love, not hate. I seek to serve and not exact due service. I seek to heal not hurt. Let pain bring due reward of light and love. Let the soul control the outer form and life and all events and bring to light the love that underlies the happenings of the time. Let vision come and insight. Let the future stand revealed Let inner union demonstrate and outer cleavages be gone. Let love prevail.
let all people love. Visualize the whole planet alight with triangles. See new triangles being formed everywhere. Distribution, sounding the great invocation silently or aloud. And as we repeat each stanza, let's visualize the network acting as a link between the world of spiritual realities and humanity, as a channel through which light, love, and divine purpose may flow into human consciousness. from the point of light within the mind of God. Let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. So while Isabel is getting set up, I'll introduce her, our speaker for today, Isabel Kuhn from Switzerland. And hello. Hello, Isabel. Uh, she was co-headmistress 
and co-owner of Institut Bleu Lemon in uh, Switzerland, I believe, a private international boarding school founded in 1954 by Doretta Fayetas, who was her mother. And she received didactic training from 1963 to 1974 from Roberto Assagioli, the founder of Psychosynthesis, on a basis of one month in Florence, Italy, 11 months practicing and teaching the methods to the pupils at the school. Um, in 1968 through 1974, she founded the Center of Psychosynthesis, Educational Psychosynthesis in Blue Le Mans, um, which is now a Bureau of the Service of Education in Geneva. So welcome, Isabel. We look hearing, forward to hearing from your presentation on the rejuvenating power of joy. Welcome okay. and thank you for this nice presentation. Can you share your screen? Let me oh, see. Yes. Uh, let me come. Here I am. Okay, great. Can you see something? Yes, we do. We see Good. your first. I slide. thought I would like to put this uh, this image. And I, uh, may I say something to of what course. you said, Kathy? It was so interesting and so beautiful and uplifting. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to uh, connect to what you said about Pisces, because it happens to be exactly in line with what the subject of tonight, that is joy, the rejuvenating power of joy. You see, Pisces is two fishes linked by a, a thread. And as Ajoli had explained to us, that these two fishes represent one, please interrupt me if you want to uh, interpolate something. Huh? So as Ajoli had explained that uh, one fish represents the personality and the other fish, the soul. Yes. And as you notice on the glyph, one goes one way and the other the other. Yes. So this is the cause of all this turmoil and these conflicts and harmony and conflict is the characteristic of humanity anyway. So or the whole um, Dharma is actually represented by the sign Pisces. And uh, to conclude the matter of the Pisces, uh, he explained that the two fishes must flow in, uh, swim in the same direction. And this is the work we are doing by learning to align the personality and the soul. And joy, in this sense, connects with um, uh, the this energy from the soul, which is necessary in order to enlighten, um, awaken, I'd say, the personality, invite the personality to uh, transmute all her enmeshments and detach. And this now connects to Pluto, because Pluto is actually the very planet of rejuvenation. It is inviting us also to let go of all these attachments and our yeah. greed and all these things. So this is all uh, fitting very well. So that's what I wanted to say in connection to what you said, Kathy. Thank you. Thank you. That was very 
interesting to relate the two planetary rulers in those in that way. Um, since you did work with Asajoli, and since he was um, a student of the Master DK, um, would you tell us a little bit about your experiences with him, uh, and particularly his focus? I know on on the quality of joy. If you could, if he must have shared a lot about that with you with the group. Well, in fact, yeah, thank you. You're putting the just the how do you say the finger exactly on the point of the dans le mille, we would say in French. Uh, he used to say that uh, it is necessary to cultivate joy, and the technique to cultivate joy, uh, there were various techniques, but the most important was. Um, to the exercise of identifying to the self. That was the main technique. And um, the other technique... What do you mean by that, identifying with the self? With the soul? Yes. Yeah. The transpersonal. Yes, thank you for um, um, putting that the finger on that. That's important that you make the distinction, indeed. Mm -hmm. Oh, dear, I, I didn't notice. Sorry. No, well, sometimes the self is with a capital S, and so, yeah, that's correct as well. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. For me, it goes without saying, but it has yes. to be uh, said, indeed. You are absolutely right. Thank you. Thank you, yes. Identification to the self, the transpersonal self, that is the soul, actually, uh, simply means that we ac accept that we have emotions and we have a body and we have problems and uh, we have thoughts and we are so proud of our thoughts and all these things, but we are not these things and we are a soul. And being a soul, we can infuse our mind with the light of the soul, we can infuse our emotion with the light of the soul, and we can infuse our body also with the light of the soul, because all together, the three bodies, mind, emotion, and the body, physical body, they are there to serve the soul and manifest the soul. And that's the whole purpose of it all. Yes. And this is joyous. In this sense, uh, uh, I'd like to show um, a little image, can I? Yes. Of, uh, actually, sorry, I have to find it here. He, uh, I'll read it to you. Sure. It's from his book. I know that's not the one, sorry. It's okay. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I'm too... Ah. I don't know where it is. Oh, I, I. Anyway, since this one seems to want to impose itself, let's. Well, just one little second on it. That is, joy is a powerful antiseptic. You know, it disinfects. Yes. And as a matter of fact, when uh, I can, I'm able to feel joy at this very moment. Uh, all the other things cannot hold on to me yes and then he said always that it is a thermometer you say thermometer in, in english thermometer yes maybe you should read it you have a better <laughs> accent yes could you read it it's better joy is the thermometer of soul contact and the next one's too please Joy is a being value that's from Maslow. 
a coherent psychology of joy must be developed. That's from Active Will, which is Asajoli's book. Um, and then the final one from Agni Yoga is when the link with the higher world, the soul, is strong, then all enterprises become easy. Yeah. Yeah. So this was actually what he uh, he would tell us, you know, man, um, in different ways always. But he did insist on joy as uh, being the energy from the soul. And he did make a distinction, like Alice Bailey, that uh, joy and happiness are different things. Yeah, happiness could you could you just could you describe the distinction? Well, that distinction, I think Alice Bailey makes it much better. Yes. <laughs> if I only could find it again, please excuse me. I don't know where I put, look, I'm sorry it went away. Okay. So I'll make the distinction. It is in, I, I have it all fresh in my head. It's in White Magic, page 300. 69, and you will be delighted to read that page again and again, uh, where she makes the distinction between happiness, joy, and bliss. And this, as Adoli also made, uh, happiness is a reaction, Alice Bailey says, reaction, please note the word, uh, of the personality. And that says it all. Mm -hmm why we are slaves to happiness. And we yeah. have to liberate ourselves from this uh, thirst for happiness by cultivating joy. And when we cultivate joy, which is a quality from the soul, when we cultivate joy, then uh, detachment is automatic because what, what is more uh, to this, is that when we call, uh, feel joy, uh, we have also this quality of group consciousness and this feeling of being one with all. There is no more separation. There is union. Here I come to the, on this image. There is union and the third uh, part, uh, the third quality, um, Alice Bailey said, was bliss. Bliss is a matter of uh, when the soul itself unites to the father, the energy of the father, mm -hmm. Shambhala, I would say. And um, bliss is an extraordinary um, experience. There's no other word. It's an experience, and this is one thing as Adoli also often insisted upon, that uh, we have to experience what we talk about. It's, I think we would say, walk the talk. Yeah, thank you. Um, there was a, a joy a review on joy, which I asked Michael if he could place in the chat box for those of us who might want to work with this. It's a, it's a review that the Tibetan offered to his group of students asking them to ponder joy throughout the day and then reflect on it in the evening. 
And one of the questions uh, that he asked his students to reflect on was the need to detach completely from any experience of joy. And he asked, why is this detachment necessary? Do you have any thoughts on that? Why we have to detach from any experience of joy? Oh dear, Kathy, this is not an easy question. No, <laughs> I sent it to you ahead of time. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I, I'm so glad you repeat it for all of us because I think it, it's really an important question. Detachment yeah. and attachment uh, are related to identification than disidentification. You see, I and uh, it is a human trait. It's in our setup, our human setup, that we identify, and um, thanks to identification, uh, we experience the pain of. Um, of what we identify to, but at the same time we grow and then we reach the point of growing out of it. And that's the moment of detachment. Now this is possible only with the assistance, may I say, insist, of the soul. Mm -hmm. And it's the soul that is the facilitator yeah. of this process. Detachment is, uh, Frankly, when I say I, uh, to to feel joy, um, it is an it is a form of attachment in a certain way. But in the yeah, and I think you I had the feeling that you want were pointing at that too. But um, the it's my computer. My mouse did this little shift, and. Um, Yet, when we experience the joy of the soul, we are letting go of everything to be united with all beings. It is what I think Alice Bailey calls union, and you mentioned it before, union fusion synthesis. And that's detachment and at the same time, complete union. It's extraordinary. Yes, and implied in that admonition to detach from joy um, would also be the other flip side of it, to detach from sorrow, which we definitely understand, but perhaps it's a little more tricky to our, our, our minds to consider detaching from joy. But um, yeah, both are reflected in the lower vehicles and we you know, we have to rise above and focus in the mind and not in the astral. So therefore detachment is the way. What you are saying actually makes me think of uh, um, an advice they give. When you have a pain, a physical pain, you have to enter into the pain completely and it goes. Mm -hmm. So if you go into the joy completely, then you're detached from it. Mm. That's the idea. I I'm I don't know it all, but that's the feeling I have now. Yeah. Um, I know that the Tibetan was writing these things during the a very challenging time in planetary history. So although we might um, ourselves during this time be focused on all of the many problems and challenges that we see, 
around the world. But yet, in the midst of it all, we were asked at that time, he was asked, asking his students at that time to cultivate joy. So when you reflect upon this time in planetary history, do you also find that joy brings um, solace to your life? Uh, you mean generally the world situation today, or me yes, personally? I mean just ge no. G generally, do you feel that joy is a is a quality that we need as a group to cultivate? Obviously, that's yes, but it's very important thoughts? what you say. You know, because it really uh, it relates to what Asadoli was telling us all the time. Rather than focusing on on the problems in the world, we should focus on. Um, our own integration that is soul infusion and this would resolve the problems of the in the world yeah. if simply said and let's begin with ourselves yeah and in in group in the meditation he would simply say focus on joy and joy will find its way to resolve the problems mm. But focusing on the problems themselves is dangerous, actually. He did, he, comme déconseiller in French, the word is, I don't know how you say in English. What was the word? He déconseiller. He de advised us not to out. focus on mm -hmm. physical, like you don't focus, the Tibetan does also say, don't focus on the centers. Well, we shouldn't focus on physical matters, planetarily speaking but um, rather on integrating as so becoming the soul and therefore radiating joy. Because yeah. when we are uh, at the soul level, we are group conscious and there, are no, there is no separation and our brothers receive our energy and we share it. And there's no you and me actually, it's all us. Yeah. And I know that Asajoli had a very difficult life during the war and was in fact imprisoned for a time. And so he probably uh, definitely was speaking from his own experience of the value of joy. Well, he did. Um, he was imprisoned for one month only, but mm. his life was really, really, really threatened. Much mm. more after the month in prison. And mm. during the month in prison, where still he didn't know every day whether he'd be alive the next day. Yeah. And that is an experience. And I guess there he he did go through that experience of total detachment yeah. and mastery. Yes. Well, Isabel, maybe now we should just open it up to the audience. Um, can you see the chat box? Um, you usually yes. have to. Okay. Um, and you might like to read some of the comments there. And in the meantime, maybe someone will raise their hand and like to share audibly with the group on any comments or questions you might have. I'm looking at the questions. I I'm, not, I'm not practical with this, but it's very interesting. Thank you for these uh, comments you all do for yourself also. It's great because these groups and these meetings every week, they create a real um, energy, a, a body, a thought form that can be active in the world. Yeah. 
Yeah, here I have Giovanna Castello that says joy is the quality of the soul. Happiness is the quality of personality. Thank you, Giovanna. And yes, Joshua uh, says, ah, yeah, he gives the quote from the book. Uh, That's wonderful. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Oh, everybody can read it there. Exactly. Oh, this is real help. I will let the, I guess the people can read it. Yeah. And then on Joy, what is this? You can have a do download on Joy. Ah, uh, that's, that's the, the review. review. That's the evening review on Joy for anyone who wants it. Then Jessica Huffmeyer says Joy is like the, a planetary echo, impersonal, as happiness is a personal experience and or expression. Yeah, thank you. Should I go on reading? Sure. You, yeah. We still have time. A little bit of time, and I have a hand raised too. Uh, maybe I'll uh, I'll ask Joshua to uh, unmute his microphone. Hi, Joshua. Hi, thanks, uh, Isabel and Kathy. I had Thank a you, I had a question. Uh, Clint Galvin actually brings up an interesting thing that in uh, discipleship in the New Age, that a lot of the disciples suffered from a lack of joy at the time. And I assume that had to do uh, largely with the war. But uh, my question for the both of you is, what do you think um, for disciples or aspirants or whoever today, what are some of the main blockages to joy and how can we um, move past those? Thank you for that question. Yes, we're all in this right now, we're really swimming in this kind of uh, problem. And I would say it is self-pity. The big problem is self-pity and to be enmeshed in personality matters. And there's one thing that the Tibetan uh, did mention, I don't remember where, he explained that you can be suffering to the utmost and your soul still is in perfect in joy. Yeah. I don't know where it was, but it was uh, this had... Um, as a young girl, I remember I was suffering terribly. And so when I read these books, I loved it because, yes, that I felt my response to my own problems. So with this, I, I'd just like to uh, sum up that, yes, uh, as a personality, we can suffer terribly. But um, as a soul, uh, it is bliss all the time. And here I have a little personal anecdote. I remember once, uh, that was at least 20 years ago, I was awfully unhappy. I won't say in what. <laughs> and uh, I took the train from Montreux to Lausanne. And a lady looked at me and said, oh, madame, we can see that you are such a happy person. <laughs> and my gosh, I was so terribly unhappy and I was but I there was this smile on my face which was simply my soul energy was coming through despite everything yeah. so of course this is far be behind me and I have a, a summing up of this all by saying that uh, the moment we can forgive and the moment we can say even thank you for the pain we've had 
uh, at that moment, we have overcome the problem and we go, can go to the next. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Saying thank you for the problems we've had because we learn through the problems. I think um, Anya Yoga says this too, through the obstacles we learn. So yeah. blessed be the obstacles. And that's what he used to say that. And the first time he said that, I can tell you, I didn't like that to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine. Yeah. yeah, I think it's really, since the soul is all about service, it seems that as we more and more look at our lives through the lens of doing what we can to serve in whatever capacity, you know, we often have these grandiose ideas of service, but if we can focus on service, then the joy of the soul is there automatically. Yes, absolutely. But also the fact of being joyous is a duty. Yeah. It's a duty, it's a service. We are rendering a service to the whole world, not by complaining about what's going on and who says yeah. what, but by being the one we are, yeah. the soul. And still acting, you know, uh, it, I think uh, in Monsieur Renan, he was quoted by Huber Reeves to uh, think, um, think globally and act locally. It's a very famous quote, yeah. and Hubert Reeves, the astronomer, he used to quote it, but it was, I searched it up, it was from Ernest Renan, he was the one who gave that quote. Well, and Isabel, there are many uh, other comments here, but we're really reaching the end of our time here, so I will send these to you, and um, you can review them, and I would like Tagore, to look at them myself. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, Tagore, thank you for this quote. So thank Beautiful. you so much, Isabel. Thanks um, to you. Really appreciate this. And thank you all, all the participants who contribute to the webinars through your focus and your sharing. So let's just close by visualizing the planet surrounded by a network of triangles. And with sound, the Om. Thank you again, Isabel. Thank you.